Hi, I'm Alexandra Yuhas. This is the first emergency episode of We Need Gentle Truths for Now. The podcast engages in radical digital media literacy by enjoying a bite of education and a bit of poetry, creating humane responses to fake news and social media in the era of COVID-19. This episode is made during a time of uprising following the killing of George Floyd and other African-Americans by police. It connects our serious concerns to two hard truths, Black Lives Matter and expose the costs and histories of freedom. On the sixth day of protest here in Brooklyn, I sent a text to Dr. Gabrielle Foreman, the founding director of the Colored Conventions Project and co-director of the Center for Black Digital Research at Penn State. Would she act quickly and contribute what she is so well equipped to offer? Hard-earned wisdom about history, photography, poetry, and civil rights for Black Americans. Later that day, Gabrielle spoke. In the eight-minute oration that follows, she connects two hard truths written in 2017 for my online primer on fake news. Gabrielle penned hard truth number 77, where she concludes, The free press is, indeed, crucial and critical for efforts to enliven democracy. But we might do well to grapple with the hard truth that its marriage to advertising and to basest forms of U.S. racial injustice expose the costs and histories of freedom. I wrote hard truth number 44, Black Lives Matter. I was reflecting on photographs unearthed to help identify the 272 slaves whose sale funded Georgetown University. I wrote the personal, political, and historical connections between reality and representation are riven with power, beauty, contradiction, and loss. I was really taken um, when you asked me to take a look at several of the hard truths in this particular historical moment where we are in the streets, where George Floyd's death is resonating around the world as a fissure, as a crack in a system of greed and avarice and late capitalism that allows so much money to consolidate in the hands of so few when the coronavirus is bankrupting and leaving impoverished in so many ways, not only the poorest of our country, but the principles that this country likes to claim itself are also being laid bare as impoverished, as anemic, as hypocritical. And so I took from one of the entries from the 100 Hard Truths this statement, the personal, political, and historical connections between reality and representation are riven with power, beauty, contradiction, and loss. And I want to amend that to say the personal, political, and historical connections between reality and representation are riven with power contradiction and loss, because it's hard to find beauty in this moment, unless the beauty is the hope of people in the streets all over the globe, inspiring us as they have to put their life at the crosshairs of the coronavirus and the economic 
loss that it is laying bare and the fact that we will not continue to watch videos of Black death as if they are snuff films caught on phones across the country for us to consume over and over and over again. So this question for me of the contradiction and connection between reality and representation centers on the question of looting. That's the word which really resonated for me, the reality of looting versus the representations in print, in the newspapers, in the media around what looting means, what looting is, and the reality of looting in this economic moment at this moment where big pharma is more interested in creating a, a monetized cure than a global cure, a democratic global cure that would literally go to the people of the world, the citizens of the world. So I'm taken by the fact that representations of looting and violence began this tragedy. A $20 bill they say was being passed off by George Floyd that labeled him a looter that could then be pinned down under the knee of a police officer with others watching and others in a larger orbit around them screaming at them to stop. The thousands who are in jail for petty crimes when Wall Street bankers and Congress people and senators make millions of dollars in trades based on information they gleaned in coronavirus briefings that then get dropped. That that is not looting, that passing perhaps a $20 bill is looting, that the looting of all of that money based on trades, millions of dollars by those in positions of power trading on their inside knowledge gets dropped when George Floyd instead gets dropped to the ground with a knee on his neck. Like the looting of the enslaved people sold from Georgetown to keep that institution afloat in one of the other 100 hard truth entries you asked me to consider. Tamika Mallory's speech during a rally in Minneapolis protesting George Floyd's death really came home for me. I was at a day of protest when she, the co-chair of the March on Washington, the Women's March on Washington helped that she helped organize to protest Brett Kavanaugh's appointment when Republicans looted a Supreme Court case denied by Mitch McConnell that should have been filled by Obama's choice, Merrick Garland. This is a looting of democracy. This is a looting that really strikes home for me, for so many of us, between reality and representation around the word looting. At the demonstration in Minneapolis after the city went up after the murder of George Floyd, Tamika Mallory said Black America was in a state of emergency. She said, don't talk to us about looting. Y'all are the looters. America has looted Black people. America has looted the Native Americans when they first came here. Looting is what you do. We learned from you. Trump is looting the Constitution. He's making the press the enemy of the people, making them the targets of the violence of the police. 
now, today. Creating a loop, it seems to me, between the violence embedded in the press's very conception that I wrote about in another one of the hundred hard truths. As they sold black people, or they advertised the sales of black folks in the state of Pennsylvania, in the city of brotherly love in Philadelphia, in Benjamin Franklin's newspapers, to raise the very money that allowed American newspapers to flourish through the sale, through the looting of Black people. I come from a family of poets. I learned about capitalism at the feet of my father and my mother, who was a protester and an activist, who walked me through neighborhoods telling me about redlining and about why Black poor neighborhoods couldn't get the loans in order to make their property more valuable that allowed the University of Chicago to scoop in and buy properties at the lowest values. People lost them because of banking policies. My father wrote three short haikus, well, I guess haikus are short by definition, called Das Kapital, and I'd like to read them now. Das Kapital, one, wherever having money matters more than how you get it, crime rules, looting, the difference between reality and representation are riven with power, contradiction, and loss. Das Kapital Two, hustling is the art of practicing capitalism with no capital. Looting, is what that hustling is called. It's the personal, political, and historical connection between reality and representation, which is riven with power, contradiction, and loss. Das Capital Three, greed motivates more efficiently than hate and for longer than love. We talk about love wins in the face of gun violence in the United States. And this poem makes me wonder if love wins when it is pitched in battle against greed. Greed motivates more efficiently than hate and for longer than love. I only hope my father's words are not true, even when history teaches us that here, historically, and here, now, he resonates with a righteous truth that we're living through right now. Did you get that? Were you there? Yeah, I did. I'm, I'm in awe and I'm ending the, the, the recording now, okay? Thank you for listening to this emergency episode of We Need Gentle Truths For Now, Black Lives Matter, Expose the Costs and Histories of Freedom. We have heard the wisdom of Pierre Gabrielle Foreman, who learned from her mother, Lynn Foreman, and father, Kent Foreman, whom the Chicago Tribune has called the elder statesman of spoken word. To learn more about his poetry, as well as the larger fake news poetry project, 
please see the embedded links. This episode was produced, written, and read by Alexander Juhas. It was directed and edited by Matthew Hiddle and copy edited by Gavin McCormick. Music by Noah Chevin. Thank you for listening.